It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Yeah, I'm just hanging out. Uh, I think what what's today? Tuesday. Yeah, having a good uh, Tuesday and everything. So I'm just ready to you know relax and talk a little Canes football. How about you, Fred? Oh, great, man. I'm great. I, you sound a lot better, man. I mean, the su- super secret day jobs. I mean, it's it's treating you better. It seems like. You know, I just went in with a mentality shift and just said, you know, I'm going to be positive and we're going to develop and we're going to move forward. And, uh, yeah, you know, I got a little nap. um, That always helps. A little little power nap today. um, Because, spoiler alert, I did not make it to the end of last night's game. Oh, Uh, you're a lightweight. Oh, you're a lightweight. Fam, 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 fam. I'm going to tell you off air what time I had to be the secret day job today, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay, I got you. So it, you. it was one of those kind of things. Like it was an you. intentional move at halftime to say, look, I need to check out so that I'm able to do what I need to do. But, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, just decided that I was going to be positive and, and make it a great day every day, and that's what I've been doing. So, yeah. So before we get into this thing, because, um, you know, there was a national championship game, I want to give a big congratulations over to those LSU Tigers. What a game. Um, unfortunately, I was kind of wanting to keep it in the ACC, but it it is what it is. Uh, big shout out to Coach O. Uh, he, he, uh, once a cane, always a cane. Can't can't exclude you. Um, he, I mean, he. What else can that team have proven? I mean, every record. Is, I mean, I, I will kind of talk. I, 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 it's a little bit of an impromptu, but before we get going, going, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter, Locked On Canes. Follow myself, Fred Produce CFB. Also, go follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Like, subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you get podcasts. That's iTunes, Apple Music now, uh, Spotify, Spotify, Podomatic, anywhere else. Um, like, subscribe, give us five stars. And what do we get? Okay, so we got the house cleaning out of the way. First things first. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a game last night. We all know the score. LSU won 42-25. I actually called the score would be 35-24. Um, so I was close. I said LSU would win it. Simply because their their DV, their secondary was better than Clemson's receivers. We saw what happened. We're not going to talk about it. Leave that over to those Clemson guys, uh, those LSU guys. They can battle that thing out. Um, to say if what if what could have happened, whatever. That's their job. But I do want to give a shout out to Coach O. Once a cane, always a cane. But there was a little small nugget out there that was sent to sent out put out into, into the Twitter Twitter sphere. Um, this LSU team this year, this current team is considered they're throwing greatest team ever. And I no. I feel some type of way because while this team put up numbers, they put mm-hmm. up numbers. Um, which by the way, this game had over a thousand yards of offense. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's a lot of offense. That's a lot of offense between both teams. Uh, but greatest team ever over the O one Canes. I don't know if this LSU team would have beat the 0-3, or 0-5 USC team with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and company. But let's just say for, you know, we're keeping in the family this whole this whole 0-1 Miami Hurricane team with all of that talent. Let's say you real quick. I know that this is new to you because you and I have not had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not having this conversation anymore. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the best college football team of all time, and I'm not discussing it. Is LSU a one of the best teams ever? One of in that pantheon? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
But the list goes 2001 Miami, 95 Nebraska, and pretty much everybody else. And I would put 19 LSU up there. Uh, Ian Hest, who's a journalist down here, he's done a couple guest spots on State of the U. Um, he put together numbers, or just the points uh, differential, uh, differential, excuse me, and Miami, 2001 Miami, won their games by a larger margin across the season than LSU. And you can have all the stuff from college and the stuff after. And I did just give you an argumentative point there. But no, I'm not discussing this anymore. I'm not getting riled up. I'm not getting agitated. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the best team of all time. And if you have anything else to say about it, miss me with that conversation. Ooh, he wants all the smoke. No, I mean, look, you can bring the smoke. I'm not paying attention to the fire, to the smoke, to the uh, volcano eruption, whatever it is. I said what I said, and I said it with my chest and crisp, Ooh. clear English. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the best team of all time, period, dot com, end of story. Leave me alone about it. I have no qualms with you, sir. I, you won't get any fight out of me on it. I mean, I'm a cane till I die, and then, well, you know, mm-hmm. we, we about that life. We about that all life. Day. Okay. All day. So. Uh, if you, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I don't see. I mean, you can pick player for player. You can do whatever you want. But factually speaking, that Miami 2001 team was. I mean, I, I don't get into that territory of can they play? A, could they match up with an NFL team? I don't do that because that's just not. That's just foolish. I'm not even gonna swim in those waters. You, I'll let, let fans figure that out. But if you guys want to let us know what you think on Twitter, and you think you, you know. You think that's a thing? Let us know. Locked on Canes, Fred Purdue, CFB, Underwood Sports, all on Twitter. Uh, but also, so today is the – we're going to be doing a little exercise as we kind of go into this next decade. We're going to review this Miami Hurricane team for their the all-decade team, right? So we'll go offense, defense, special teams. And, Cam, I know you've done this over at State of the U, so this is a bit easy for you. I've already kind of mm-hmm. uh, – I've – kind of peeked at your answers a little bit, a little Bill Belichick going on over there. So, but I mean, I think we a little spy gate, you just, okay, just a little, just a little spy gate, but I think uh, we have a lot of, I won't say we have a lot of the same answers, but a lot of I, going back and looking through doing, just doing the research. First off, you can do a lot of this just off the top of your head without any numbers whatsoever. Right. Just, just memory, just seeing what this team could do. But mm-hmm. where I, I'm missing like four national titles with all this talent. Just saying. Where? I mean, you're missing more than a couple. I mean... I need at least two. Two. Obviously, I mean, the thing would have been, had Miami stayed good, like, basically, that loss in the the Peach Bowl to LSU in 04, Mm -hmm. that really precipitated the slide. But had that been better, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you have talent. You have talent that did well in college. You have talent that did well in college and in the NFL. You had talent in college that was, or talent that was middling in college and good in the NFL. You had talent. It just never quite quite came, came together. together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's always we, you know, and we're we're kind of experiencing that now, where it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was the defense with Al Golden, and that held us back. Mm-hmm. And then the offense with, you know, Mark Rick, that held us back. And then the offense with Manny Diaz, is held, but it's, it's still, it's just, you know, it, it's just not a complete team. And the special teams this year also, you know, but, yeah, it, I mean, Miami has not been a complete or a complete-ish team uh, in a while. So, yeah, there, there was plenty of talent that just went wasted. 
Definitely does. I mean, at the bare minimum, I need a. I need Miami should be winning the Coastal every year. Not even close. Like how Florida State, those people up north, or even Clemson, how they're doing it every year, and it's not even close because inferior talent in other states that have no business even matching up as far as recruiting, as far as talent, facilities, all of that. I mean, it's freaking Miami. It's South Florida. I mean, it's still, it's technically Coral Cables, but nonetheless, we all call it the same thing. Tomato, tomato, you know, it's South Florida. It's always sunny. It's always nice. It's, I mean, you have South Beach. I mean, can we, what else can you say? I mean, for a kid, for somebody that doesn't live here, I mean, that should be enough. But nonetheless, we'll get into it. Um... That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. We can talk to Andrew Ivins and recruiting and all of that. So we're going to jump into this whole all-decade team. We'll start out on offense because we know everyone loves offense, and we'll start out on the at the quarterback position where there's not – there hasn't been a ton of bad play. There has been some – and we want to forget those. But who is your quarterback for your all-decade team? The easy answer for me is Brad Kaya. He is Miami's all-time lead passer. He had over 3,000 or 3,100 yards passing in each one of his seasons. He was the 2014 ACC Rookie of the Year while leading the conference in passing efficiency and touchdowns as a true freshman directly out of high school. Um, you know, the numbers are the numbers are massive. Almost 10,000 yards, 69 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. But as a team, Miami did not win as much with Brad Kaya as you would have liked. You know, uh, he started out his career with a 400-yard day against Florida State, or 300-something, and later had a 400-yard game against Florida State. Miami lost both of those games. But if you're sitting here and saying that Brad Kaya lost those games, come on, bro. Like, just look at the score sheet. You know, the block at the Rock in 2016, fam, like, what are, what are we talking about? That wasn't on Brad Kaya. I mean, could the offense have been – more explosive yes was florida state still just you know in miami's head and everything and also a talented team yeah but the easy answer for me and miami only had four quarterbacks this decade Mm -hmm. you know it was stephen morris jacory harris those are my honorable mentions um malik rogier for a year and a half nicosi perry for a cup of coffee jerry Williams for a cup of coffee but i mean if you really talk about it it's brad kaya stephen morris jacory harris and uh, malik rogier it's brad kaya easy for me yeah, I'm I'm on board with you on that one. I I thought about Stephen Morris for maybe a half a second because moments like uh, the bomb to Philip Dorsett, um, the NC State game, the, the NC State game. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that sticks in your head. But I look for consistency and longevity. And throughout his time, Brad Kai, I still say I wish he would have stayed for one more year. Mark Rick, put your pride to the side and stick with what works. I mean, you can't go broke making a profit. Just saying. Um, right. So, but yeah, Brad Kai is easy from from day one. You knew he the ball came off his arm a little bit different. He looked the part. He played the part. Uh, he was everything we wanted as far as a quarterback is concerned. And you know, he's the man. I mean, he's the man at least as far as this generation is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's just a, a clear case. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, if if I were to go a different direction. I was kind of torn between Ja'Cory and Stephen Morris, but I just think that the answer was more clearly Brad Kaya uh, for the quarterback. of the Don't game. get me started on Ja'Cory Harris, man. You, We've talked about this thing off air, and you know how I feel about Mr. Heave, Heave Ho. Um, I, I, he, was one, he was my guy in high school. He was my guy in the beginning. I was his biggest supporter, but I, I became his biggest critic over his career. 
I mean, the YOLO throw was patented by him. And how many games did we lose or get put in bad positions because of him? He can't even get a he can't even get an honorable mention from me. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. Um, if it would have been if I had to choose anybody else, it would have been Stephen Morris. Um, just because Fair. I mean the ball jumped off his arm a little bit different, but he I mean it's there's I mean there's a huge jump, but uh, a huge disparity between. Kaya and Morris, so we'll we'll kind of leave it at that. Running back, I mean, this one's gonna be this one. You could have you really. There's no real wrong answer per se, unless you didn't have mm. Duke Johnson number one as your number one running back. Um, and just for just for context, we're we're taking one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, uh, a tight end, five offensive linemen. So, um, oh, okay, that's different than the numbers that I wrote, but that's fine. I can do it. Okay, so I can do that. That's good. It's yeah, good. Makes it easy peasy. So, um, so with our with our running backs, right? So, for me, Duke Johnson's number one. Not even close. I mean, even he played what two and a half seasons and broke the rushing record for the team rushing record. Easy peasy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a do it all back for a long time. I thought he'd just be more of a a scat back, a guy that could just he can play in space and he'd be the ultimate spread. Because I thought Miami was going was teetering on going spread long time ago, and well, it didn't happen. But he became he showed he could do be a three down back, especially at Miami. And the other guy for me, uh, while DJ Dallas is such a really good running back, I gotta go Lamar Miller. I mean, for all the flack that he got a lot of times, where he didn't finish runs and things like, and he left too early and. All of that stuff, running backs. If you're you're three and gone, we don't even go away after three years. I don't want you for your senior year. Go make your money, please. Lamar Lamar Miller it was that guy. I mean, he him and Mike James when they were together, smash and dash. I mean, easy peasy. Yeah, um, I'm with that exact same uh, pairing. It's I'm sorry, sheesh, ooh, brain fart there. Duke Johnson is number one. And I told the story already about how uh, his excellence in high school almost got me uh, in, in physical trouble with uh, some with a grandma or you know older lady at uh, Miami Northwestern Norland game when Duke Johnson at Norland was giving them the business in his senior year of high school. Um, and yeah, you know, two and a half seasons or two and three quarters, whatever it was, uh, and he is the all-time career leading rusher. That is production. And all of that happened in this decade. Lamar Miller is the other guy. Only played two years, but, I mean, he had almost 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns as a redshirt sophomore, which is his third year on campus, and then he left. So, yeah, Miami redshirted him as a freshman um, in 2009, and then he played 2010 and 11 and was gone to the league. So, you know, 2,100 yards of total offense, 16 touchdowns in just two years. I mean, and he was like a a Cam Harris kind of rotational guy his mm-hmm. freshman year. Like, he, he didn't even start fully in the two deep and then worked his way into that and then was the start of the next year. Uh, and he also returned some kicks and things like that. I mean, yeah, those are the, even though he only played two years but the first two years of this decade, those are my two guys. And, I mean, you have a case for all kinds of honorable mentions, DJ Dallas, Mark Walton, Travis Homer, and others. Yeah, it, it was, Miami's always been, even though you don't see the – the level of running back like uh, a Jonathan Taylor or a Melvin Gordon. I'm, I'm just calling out Wisconsin running backs because they're always pretty good. Uh, even a Reggie Bush type of running back. 
even though you don't have that superstar talent, you have really, really good upper tier talent that ends up going to the league. And well, those guys are in the playoffs. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we are we still do we still get to hold on to that whole running back you thing? I mean, running backs come to Miami and they go to the league and they produce. Yeah, that, uh, that know, says can, running you back say you what to you me. Wanted. Right. I mean, you can say what you want. Georgia is collecting five star running backs like they're, uh, you know, the rare Pokemons back in the ter- early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, they just have them. I mean, you have a guy like Kenny McIntosh, R.J. McIntosh's younger brother, who's a four-star, who's literally their sixth-string running back at 6'1", 225 pounds. Like, and everybody's All-American, looks the part, plays the part, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, he's like the ugly duckling in their running back room because everybody else is a five-star. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, they don't necessarily do much with it, but they have him at the college level. But, you know, regardless. Alabama Miami, might challenge us one day. Maybe, maybe. All those guys except for Derrick Henry are busts. But when they're in college, well, we're only talking college. If we're, if we're only talking college, kind of, maybe. I mean, but, Kenyon Drake looks good. Kenyon Drake looks good. Mark Ingram okay. looks pretty decent. Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry's three people. So, I mean, Derrick Henry is three people. <laughs> he really is three people. He's Trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. I've been my heart's still broken. Um, you know, out in the first round. I think people are still trying to tackle him. So, yeah. But uh, not your guys. Your guys are like, oh, no, that's not nah. freight train. Yeah. Please, what? Yeah. I'm going the other way. Yeah. And look, I don't blame them because if I was tasked with tackling Derrick Henry, I would try to look the other way also. I saw a high school game of him play uh, his senior year in high school. They actually played, Yikes. I think it was, it was Fred Taylor's son. When they played against each other, it was like the playoffs first round against Glade Central. Yeah, or, um, something State. like yeah. that. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah, he looked like a man amongst children. It looks like if you just said, "Let's," you could go outside tomorrow and go play against some kindergartners. That's what that looked like. I mean, you're just dragging people. I mean, that it was ridiculous. So yeah, Derrick Henry's three people. So yeah, um, but nonetheless, uh, I think we'll keep that until someone can produce them and put them in the league and put them to let them have the success that our guys have had. I mean, Frank Gore still chugging, and well, he's been around a pretty good, pretty long time. So now let's talk let's talk wide receivers because this uh, this position has been. I mean, I can let's I can start off with this whole with Amon Richards. Like no one, that's not even that's easy peasy, not even questionable. Uh, but then, ooh, ooh, yeah, word, yeah, I'll start Amon Richards. He's that good. Uh, Mon Richards is that okay? Mon Richards is my guy. I mean, I, I'm still brokenhearted. And I think I have a sense. Yeah, ditto. There are very few guys that, you know, I have, I get attached to. Like, I got attached to Duke Johnson because he was he had a great personality. And you just want to – those kind of guys, you just hope they do really well. More than – you hope all of them do well, but you really hope certain guys do really well. Amon Richards was that guy for me because – there was one Aldarius Johnson way back in 2008 who did who made me feel like oh Miami has a really good receiver coming along for Miami Northwestern. He was part of that class and then 400 yards mm-hmm. led the team and then we never heard from him again. I think we're still looking for that milk carton. And well, I haven't seen another guy like him and then Amon Richards shows up. Just Amon saying. Richards was better than Aldarius Johnson oh, all day. could ever dream of being. All day. Because Aldarius Johnson was slow and Amon Richards was not. Like, even with, even on a bad wheel, he was faster than people. His freshman year, you know, 
at full strength. He set this, uh, you know, school receiving record his sophomore year, came back, battled a hamstring injury, and was still outrunning guys. I mean, just, yeah, man, he, yeah. I can see, I can see that. Who's going to be your other wide receiver? So, I'll, yeah, let me get both of yours for you. Okay, so I battled, this one I battled, right? Leonard Hankerson or Philip Dorsett? And I'm thinking to myself, now I've met Philip, I've, I've uh, met both of them. Um, Leonard Hankerson, I had a bit, I won't say, I liked his story. His story was always pretty, one of those guys that he just, he kept fighting in the league to get in the league. And we just saw mm-hmm. what, how good he was. He had everything you wanted. Um, Alan Hearns, I, I, I want to say he could have done more. Uh, for me, I got to go Leonard Hankerson. At the time, he had broken, what was it? Was it the, it was Michael, Ir- it was one of Michael Irvin's records at the time. Uh, I think it was, it was receiving yardage in a year, in a single season. He broke, it been, yeah. yeah, it might have been that. And it was his senior year. I mean, he really, really was a good receiver. He could do it all. He could beat you deep. He could put, he'd be the go-to guy, possession guy. If you needed 10, he got you 12. So I and thinking back over time, yeah, Philip Dorsett beat you deep, and well, that's all he really did. Um, uh, Alan Hearns was kind of more similar, but the production was just there. When you break records, that make that puts you on that whole great, mm-hmm. great. That you can throw great on your name. So I'll have to go with Leonard Hankerson. That's it too. Uh, and Hankerson, for the record, had 72 catches for 1,156 yards and 13 touchdowns as his sole season in this decade, but that was his senior year um, in which he broke that record. So that is a strong season. Um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to break the rules, and I'm going to pick three because I can. My That's number fine. one is going to be Hankerson. Mm-hmm. My number two is going to be Alan Hearns, who played for four years in this decade and then as a senior in 2014, had 62 catches for almost 1,200 yards and six touchdowns. And my third is going to be Amon Richards. So I'm going to skip Philip Dorsett, who, spoiler alert, on my piece, he was my number four. Uh, just because, you know, we're going spread and you need four receivers, so I pick four. But if I'm picking three, you know, in you know three-by-one sets and things like that, Hankerson, Hearns, and Richards are my three. Um, and I don't even – yeah, that, 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 I think that that's a strong uh, trio. Definitely, definitely. The only the one guy that if he would have if he didn't get hurt every other play, Stacy Coley. Oh, Stacy yeah. Coley. Stacy Coley. Listen, Stacey here's Co- a personal story, and you know I love to tell these. Long story short, I worked at Miramar High School for years. I saw Stacy Coley as a sophomore and as a senior in high school play against Miramar. In he single handedly beat Miramar High School in the playoffs in 2014, or uh, is a sophomore. And then in a regular season game as a senior, where he's the only guy who went D1, he was playing wide receiver, slot, and safety. He wow. had two interception returns for touchdowns and a punt return, I want to say, as a senior. He was ridiculous. I saw him in sophomore year, and I thought he was going to be the number one player in America. He was that kind of good. And he flashed that talent as a freshman at Miami and just could never stay healthy. But, man, I'm telling you, when I saw what he did as a sophomore, I thought – this kid is going to be super-duper ridiculous special. Okay, so I, I want to pose this question to you before we move on to tight end. Um, you need – your last drive of the game is third – it's it's third and 13, right? Goal to go. You got to go – you got to get 13 yards, two plays to get it. You got Amon Richards, and you know – and the run is not even a question. You can't run the ball. There's like 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Who's your go-to guy, Amon Richards or Stacey Coley? 
And Stacy Coley is this is his one healthy play. If it's his one healthy play, Stacy Coley. Ooh. I mean, because no, I mean, look, think about it. He had you know some clutch catches and touchdowns against Florida State even during that losing streak. But when we needed it. You know what I mean? It was a fourth and goal on that play, on that touchdown before mm-hmm. the block at the Rock, mm-hmm. if you remember that. That was Stacey Coley on a whip route. You know what I mean? Like, he made some plays and made some catches when we had to have it and he was healthy. He came up big in big moments. So even though I, like you, am a huge Armand Richards fan, I'm still heartbroken that, you know, he had that neck injury and was forced to retire early from football. One play, I got to have it, and they're both 100% healthy, Stacey Coley. Man, that's just think of if those two. You going with AR? Nah, nah. Cause Stacy Coley was he had a he had an extra gear, and it's something about. But the thing is, I don't even need the gear. I need the thirteen. You need the thirteen. Yeah, you need. I that. need that catch by yeah. any means necessary, and I need thirteen. Whether you catch it at three and get me ten, or whether you mm-hmm. catch it at fourteen and get down, I don't mm-hmm. care. But I need that thirteen on yeah. that play. Oh yeah, Stacey, dog. Oh yeah, Stacy Coley. He he played big in those moments. Mm-hmm. He showed he showed big moment talent um, at tight end. So this one's kind of easy for me, and I know this one's kind of easy for you because I know who yours are, and I haven't. I didn't look at your whole list, but okay. um, and I kind of stumbled upon it. I didn't actually go looking for it, but I have an idea just knowing how you how how we've kind of talked over since we've kind of done this thing. Go ahead and give me your tight ends. I'm picking two. Yeah, you, or you give me you can give me one. You can give me one. Give me well, one. I mean, because you you say one, one. so it's one give or me two. Your one. Give me your one. David Njoku. Ooh, okay. I was not expecting Njoku. Actually, I was I know that he's not him. the blocker that Brevin Jordan is, but I know the he's way not. You talk about him as an athlete. You want the athlete. Dog, dog, always, always. You always. want that crackback like, block on that on that woo, kick return, on the return. Yes, on I'm the return. You, look, yeah. That man, yes, David Njoku's that guy. And I know he's not the blocker for a pro-style offense. I know that he's not necessarily – he's not the blocker that Brevin Jordan is. I'm admitting that David Njoku's that guy. If I, had to, if I had to have only one, it's him. If I'm picking two, it's Njoku and Brevin. And this is no slight to either of them, but I just – yeah, Njoku. I mean, they're different, they're different tight ends. Yes. But in today's college football – I don't need my tight end to block anybody, really. That's what the right. other guy's for. If my primary tight end, like we saw last night where Thad Moss, is, he didn't block us all. But, um, well, he did a lot of catching on people. And, well, hey, I, I got to go. I got to, but nonetheless, I'm more of, I like the dual, I call them dual threat tight ends, guys that can do a little bit of both, and that's where Brevin Jordan comes in. Had he not shown me that he could be that blocker this year, I probably would have said differently. I would have probably gone with you. Um, but yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go, Brevin Jordan. He can do everything for me, and that's hard to do because I really it like Njoku. I really like. He's the. He's more of a mismatch than. I mean, I don't really find that many guys that are miss true mismatches, but he's a mismatch. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want – you'd need a Sean Taylor-type player to actually match up with him physically. I mean, right. that's yeah. that's your only chance. Yeah. That's you do. really your only chance. So, Big facts. Um, offensive line, because – and I have a saying. I had a – when I used to host a, another podcast, we used our, use, our saying used to be um, fat boys win championships, both sides. Mm-hmm. 
Fat boys will right. help you win championships. And this is if this is your fat boys championship line, who is your who is on this line? Position does not matter. I went, for, I your, know, I went first last time. You go. You okay. Go. Okay. 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 So uh, for me, I start this thing off with Chantrell Henderson. Um, for me, just I didn't think we'd get him. Obviously, not nobody it, did. Nobody did. I mean, that was the first time I ever saw essentially a trade in college football where he decided I'm not going to USC. And after he was at USC, after he was at USC, and he was, and then they basically he came to Miami, and we kind of gave Theron Collier to him. I mean, it was essentially a trade. Oh yeah, it right. was. A, it was essentially a trade. It was the first time I ever saw that, and it was like, hmm. I remember seeing Chantrell Henderson for the first time as a freshman. It was actually Virginia versus Miami. Um, at, was it was it Randy Shannon's last game before they fired him? The score was like thirty eight nothing. It was really bad. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw Chantrell Henderson getting off, getting on the bus to leave um, because we were going to see uh, Mike James. He had invited us to the game, and I remember just – he was like, oh, you want to go meet Chantrell? Sure. I'm looking up at this dude, and I'm like, man, you're a lot bigger than I, than you look. I mean, he I mean, he looked the part as a freshman. And yeah, I just – I mean, he was a huge – he is a large man, and I think that's what helps keep him around in the NFL now because, I mean, he was really not great. Uh, but I'll go – uh, John Feliciano, tough guy. Just all he's a he's a meat and potatoes lineman, and he always he just consistency. Uh, Eric Flowers at the other tackle. He very much like uh, Chantrell, just a mountain of a man, good athlete. Probably should have probably probably should have been a right tackle or probably kicked inside at some point versus being a tackle forever. Um, I think this one might be where we kind of differentiate a little. I went Casey McDermott and. Uh, Tyree St. Louis. Okay. <clears throat> That's a good five. Everybody that you mentioned was either on my line or uh, honorable mention. For me, it's Eric Flowers, Duke Johnson's high school teammate. Uh, he blocked for Duke Johnson mm-hmm. for all those yards in high school and came with him to Miami and did the same. John Feliciano um, from Western High School was a developmental guy who, by the time he graduated, was second team all ACC. Chantrell Henderson, you already spoke about that, gigantic 6'7", 345, whatever. Um, and played pretty well, you know, when he was Stephen A. Smith staying off of the weed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Danny Isadora from Cypress Bay is my Good one. other guard. I like it. I like it. He, he, like Feliciano, in the same recruiting class, I believe, was a developmental prospect. And that's what I'm talking about with some of these offensive linemen. He did not play Isadora, that is, until his third year, his redshirt sophomore year. But by the time he graduated, he was second team all ACC. Everybody's not going to be a day one All-American. You're not going to have... The Tony Baselli's, the mm-hmm. Anthony Munozes, the, you know, Chantrell Henderson or Eric Flowers is even. Everybody's not going to be that. Some guys take time, especially on the offensive line. And both Felice and Dora did that, and they developed. And my fifth is Tyree St. Louis. Um, so, yes, I picked three guards and two tackles. Um, and there was a lot of chatter on social media and also on the piece that I wrote that I should have Brandon Linder at center instead of whichever, you know, person that they wanted to take off. Um, Again, I just going didn't see off it that of way. NFL talent, NFL exactly. what they're doing now versus what they did in college. Right, and I was going by college more. Um, but, you know, I'm not – Brandon Linder is not like a tier below where I'm saying there's no way possible he could have been in the starting five for me. You know what I mean? He was my first cut. Like that was, that was what it came down to, mm-hmm. honestly, between St. Louis and Linder. So 
either way you want to go uh, there. But, you know, Casey McDermott, Trevor Darling, and Sonny Odogwu were my other honorable mentions um, from this past decade. Definitely, definitely. Um, I know one guy that actually played in both decades, but where, is, where does a guy like a Brandon Washington from that 2008 class, where does he fall mm-hmm. in? Where, because he, he wasn't a superstar, but he was good enough. Mm-hmm. He was a nasty. He's in the conversation he's for a, me. He's a, would he make that honorable mention cut if it just didn't get too long? I mean, I thought about it. Um, but honestly, it was late at night, and I wrote both of those, offense and defense, like at 2 o'clock in the morning one mm-hmm. night. And I just started thinking about a defensive player, so I switched over to that piece instead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, could Brandon Washington be – I mean, yeah, he's in that – in that kind of group, like a honor, like a solid honorable mention, he would not be in my top five uh, or my starting five, but like a solid honorable mention kind of candidate. Sure, yeah. All right, so we talked offense. Everyone, and we, we went a little long, so we probably won't go as long on the defense. But uh, you know, defense wins championships. Miami's been known for defense for at least uh, my whole life. That's all we've ever. To me, I've always said Miami's always going to be a defensive football team first, and the physicality. We, I mean, this this side was easy. This the offensive side. There's so many good playmakers, but mm-hmm. defensively, this is going to be a very fun one to do. We'll kind of talk about defense on the other side. All right, so we have the defensive side of the football. This one should be very easy. We'll talk. We'll group this thing as far as uh, we're not going to go to defensive end, defensive tackle, outside linebacker. No, 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 no. We're going to keep this very simple. Defensive line, give me four. Linebackers, give me three. Corner, give me two. Safety, give me two. So we'll let you start this one off. Got it. All right. At defensive line, excuse me, um, in my piece, I split it between uh, ends and tackles. And you can see that again on stateofdu.com. But for this exercise, my two ends are going to be Alan Bailey um, from the 2010 season. That was his senior year. Uh, but he had 31 tackles for loss and 19 sacks over four years. Uh, but 14 of those sacks came in 2009 and 2010, uh, his senior season itself. So um, that's enough for me. And then Gregory Russo, 15 and a half sacks in one season. Yes, it's the last season of the decade. But, yeah. Numbers Alan are numbers. Bailey and Greg Russo. Huh? Numbers are numbers. Numbers are numbers. And, I mean, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, my two tackles are going to be R.J. McIntosh and Gerald Willis the third. There's not a long list of tackles because this is a position that was uh, probably the most derelict when um, Mark D'Onofrio was the defensive coordinator. So there was not a lot of good play or great talent there up until the end of the decade and he came in. So R.J. McIntosh and Gerald Willis III, those are my guys at that position. My honorable mentions on defensive line are John Garvin and Kendrick Norton. Um, so I know, you know, uh, Garvin had a larger sophomore year than junior year, uh, which put him in the conversation. He was actually my top three that I named. Um, and then um, Norton, same thing. He was in, in my top three. But there's plenty of other guys, at least at end, who were in the conversation for me. Olivier Vernon, Chad Thomas, Joe Jackson, Trent Harrison, all could have nominated, all could have a reasonable case to be first-teamers, except for Muhammad because we got robbed of his last year here. But whatever, I digress. What's your four look like? For me, this one's easy. Russo, number one, when you put up the sack numbers he did, regardless of how how short of a time he was in that decade, you get put on that. When you get put into the, the into a conversation of being a first round pick as a redshirt freshman, when you get put into the conversation of leading the leading the country in sacks, and we talking double digit sacks, yeah, you get into the conversation. 
Number two, Gerald Willis the third. Look, 19, what was it, 19 tackles for loss, led the country. Yeah. I mean, still don't understand how he did not get drafted. What kind of bad juju did he have going on? I don't know. But for his time at Miami, uh, after all the things he had to deal with, he was the heart and soul of last of that defense uh, for last year. I mean, without him, where does that defensive line go? I mean, he's dead set in the middle. So he, so we're gonna go those two. Um, I thought Olivier Vernon crossed my mind, but I'm like, he really didn't. He didn't do enough. He didn't do enough for me. Allen Bailey definitely gets into this one, despite only having one year in. Hey, numbers are numbers. Uh, and last but not least, I gotta go Joe Jackson. Seeing him, and and and. I had a love-hate relationship with him because I saw the talent, I saw the frame, and I didn't get the I didn't get as much production as I wanted out of him. But if I'm building a defensive line and saying if I have these choices, he's long, he's athletic, and he can get after the quarterback when need be. And if you have this line, he's gonna get, he's gonna eat, definitely gonna eat. Yeah, I mean Joe Jackson was a cyborg. I said that from the time that we started recruiting him. Uh, would have liked a little bit more production myself from him. Uh, but he was in my honorable mention, so I can't really fault you um, for having him. I just personally would have, you know, and I did pick other guys uh, in front of him. But it's not a terrible, terrible pick. Now. So your turn. So I went first on that one. Your turn is up. Linebacker, give me your three. Man, this one's not even. I don't even have to look at my list on this one. This one came straight off the dome. I'm freestyling. Sean Spence. Shaq Quarterman. Denzel Perryman. Next. Ditto, same. I mean, it's just those were the best three. I mean, period. those guys were period. beasts. They were all beasts. I mean. Sean Spence had 417 tackles, 46 tackles for loss. Perryman had 351 tackles and 27 tackles for loss. Quarterman started every game of his career, the all-time leading record holder at Miami, 52 consecutive starts, 356 tackles, 46 and a half tackles for loss, and 12 tackles. What more do you want? All in the NFL, they are at, at one point. At some point, Shaq will be in the NFL. Trust me, he's about to. Be. He's going to be. So we might as well just say all in the NFL, barring some catastrophic thing. Uh, Denzel, I, I don't. I mean, I don't care. At the, this list has nothing to do with anything they do once they leave. But I still remember him just sending. Was it Wake Forest? Was it Wake Forest or was it Georgia Tech sending a guy to another Wake dimension? Forest. Wake Forest. He sent someone to the next dimension, and I'm still – I enjoy it every single time. And the pick six uh, against Boston College at Boston College, I mean, he read that throw. If, if you want to teach a linebacker how to read a quarterback's eyes, go show him that play. Yeah. I mean, flow to the football just – and – Catch it with his hands, mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, an athletic playmaker with ball skills, and then also find the sideline, get up the field, and mm-hmm. get to the end zone. Shaq Quarterman, like I said, he is the heart, he was the heart and soul of this defense for four years. And while he, he, now if I had to say, if I had one play get a stop uh, on the goal line, who are you going with? Shaq or, Shaq or Denzel? Perryman. Ooh, understandable, understandable. It, would you say Denz? And I don't want—I don't like throwing out greats' names. Who would he be closest to from linebackers of yesteryear? 
from the greats. Uh, I'd probably say like a Nate Webster mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that range. Okay. Um, the other ones, I think that they're in. I think that they are other other middle linebackers of Kane's lore. I would say that they are at, on a clearly another level where I don't even want to mention. Oh yeah, we're not talking Barrow. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, yeah like yeah. if you think that's where I'm gonna stop the list, Nate Webster. Okay. Anybody else? If you're thinking what happened, nope, nope, what, right, nope, right. nope. I'm not even gonna say. It. I mean, I get paying homage to 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 one of the greats um, with with a number, but um, nah. And I and I do right. remember people saying, man, is he Ray Lewis? Nah. Nah, 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 fam. Please go back and watch Ray Lewis. He was really, I mean, and I have my personal feelings about certain players, but on between right. those lines, nah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, corner. Let's talk corner. Um, and, and I think we th- this one may be where we need to kind of do an, a little bit of an audible because in today's college football and in, in today's football, regardless of the level, you need three corners. So we're going to act like we're, we're building this team. Give me three corners. Uh, that for you that make this team's all decade list. My outside corners are already both have the size and physicality. Artie Burns was very good in college, and he was a first round draft pick. Michael Jackson was another guy who took some time to develop, but he ended up being first or second team All ACC, um, second team in 2017, and honorable mention 2018 at the position. And third is going to be Corn Elder, um, a late add. He was first team All ACC in 2016. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think that they fit what you need. You have a shorter, quicker change of direction guy in the slot for Corn Elder. You have two big, fast, physical uh, corners on the outside with Burns and Jackson. I think that that's a very strong trio. And what I really love, I love versatility. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter which, whether it's life. I love versatility. Can you do multiple things? And that's what Corn Elder really excelled at. He was a very good special teamer uh, with the ball in his hands or not. So uh, very good picks. Artie Burns and Michael Jackson are easy for me. Although I really thought about Ladarius Gunter instead yeah. of Michael Jackson. I like tall, long corners. And for a while I thought, man, Ladarius Gunter might be the next – he might be that guy. I mean, I remember, was it Georgia Tech? He had a pick six. I I mean, dude just, I mean, he just snagged it out of the air. He read it perfectly. I mean, he high-stepped his way to the end zone. And uh, that was my first um, real chance to really get a, just dive into his tape. And, I mean, he uh, he made it for a while. He, I mean, those guys are rare, though, when you have long arms and you have, I mean, those guys never, a lot of times they're hit or miss when they get to the league. But in college, I mean, if you didn't watch LSU, go watch Derek Stingley. Very similar type of guy. I mean, he's a he's a he's a he's a different. He's very much different athletically, but very similar body types. Uh, those tall, the, I call it the Richard Sherman build, uh, where you're six two, long arms. You may you may not play a lot of man, but because you're in zone, I mean, no one's throwing at you. I mean, you take a whole half of the field away. So, um, my inside guy, my inside guy. I almost went Trajan Bandy because of that 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 pick against Notre Dame. That pick right, against yeah. Notre Dame. Fair. I'm sorry, I'm doing it. I'm do, I'm gonna do it. That pick okay. that pick against Notre Dame. It just it holds it holds a little bit more cachet than everybody else. 
I get it. Corn Elder, he had the he was part of that the return and all of that's great. And David and Joku had, I mean, the block of all blocks to spring that. But that pick against Notre Dame, I'm still looking for the roof. I think it came off a of hard rock. We're still looking for it. Um, but yeah, I gotta go Trajan Bandy. It, it sucks that he had to be what he had to do this year out of necessity, right, right. but he was a very good nickel corner. No, I I agree. Um, actually, I feel bad. I, I thought he was coming back for senior. Again, I wrote this really late at night. I was tired, uh, so I didn't even put him on my honorable mention. And I need to Trajan, get at this man. That was my mistake. <laughs> I'm admitting it. It was not saying that I no. Again, this is I know, no slight. I'm, 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 just I'm actually gonna. You a hard time. <laughs> I'm gonna hit the thing right now. I'm gonna go in and edit the piece so that he's in there. Because he deserves it, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a. Uh, I, I mean, it's not the pick I went with, but that's a good pick. Now, safeties. Last but not least, on the defense, um, this one was tough for me because there's been so many good ones. I mean, I could I could easily just say Shel- uh, Red Wine and um, and and Jaquan Johnson and just be done with it. I could easily just do that, um, but. I like a guy. I like. I have two. When it comes to safeties, there's two different guys, and um, I need a guy that can cover over the middle, and I need a guy that can just lay the lumber. My guy that lays the lumber, that's Deion Bush. That's Deion Bush. He has to knock your head off, and that's Deion Bush for me. Um, the other, my other safety. Who that that one was tough for me. It was. Uh, I'm just gonna go Adrian Colbert because I just he was such. He's been able to do it, and he wasn't a heralded player or anything like that Mm -hmm. but he just was he's always been a he's always been a guy that has decent range uh we don't haven't had an ed reed kind of guy which is amazing that we've never had another guy like him um say that again there's no other guys like him yeah i'm like if everybody could find an ed reed whether he's a two-star or not i know that there's you know writers from you know various uh recruiting publications who push back on that idea but if if you could find a guy like that all the time, you like mm-hmm. teams would. Mm-hmm. But those guys don't exist. Like he, in, like there are singular talents. You know, that's like saying, "Oh, let's go find another Cam Newton." Where are you going to go find a guy who's six six two sixty with a rocket arm and he's running over and by people? Mm-hmm. You're not going to find that guy everywhere. Those guys don't exist. This is why they are the legends of the game. This is why Ed Reed got inducted in the Hall of Fame this year because he's a singular kind of talent. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so for me, like I said, for me, I got to go Dion Bush. I got to go Adrian Colbert. What about you? Deion Bush, we have in in, in common uh, physical prototype. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I and I'm going to read exactly what I wrote. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't include Jaquan Johnson on this team. He was the heart and soul of Miami's defense and a four-year standout for the Canes, two-time second-team All-ACC and a second-team All-American as a junior in 2017. And if you back that up, he was also four times. First team all county in Dade County football, playing the largest classification in Florida high school football. That is an honor that only a handful of people can say. From freshman to senior year in high school, he was first team all Dade. That is an honor that is among the highest that you can get in any level of football. It has to be Jaquan Johnson. Ooh, I like it. And I can't fault you for it. I can't because Jaquan was everything you wanted in a safety at Miami. I mean, it's hard to name a lot of guys, and he would have probably been my all. If I know most teams play with three safeties, he'd probably be my third one. But uh, so you can't be, you can't go wrong with a guy like that. Um, now let's talk about before we get out of here. Uh, we're going to talk about something that may have plagued Miami over the years, but there's a couple good ones. We'll talk special teams in a sec.
All right, so special teams, and we'll break this up as far as kicker, punter, and we'll say one return man. We'll just kind of give me your best return man. So your kicker, and I know the kicker is something that just makes you just want to cringe nowadays, but who's your kicker for your all-decade team? Michael Badgley is the Canes' all-time leading scorer. Michael Badgley is the grip of the decade. Next question. Mmm, I like it. I like it. Um, I thought Matt Bosher, but then when I, I mean, when you go back and you just look at it, just simply when you're the, when you're the, when you lead the decade in points, that's pretty simple, pretty easy. Um, we've missed him very much over the last, last what two years now. Uh, so it's it's been a minute. So I, I need I need a kicker again, please. Uh, let's move on to punt, to punter. I know he wasn't my he wasn't ours, but um, we had him for a year. Pat O'Donnell, easy, not even questionable. Yeah, he's also my punter of the decade. I went back into the piece to edit it because I said he transferred from Florida, and I was thinking about Justin Vogel. Um, and again, I wrote that at like two or three in the morning, mm-hmm. and he actually transferred from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yep. Right. So I just edited that uh, and poked a little for myself. But yeah, Pat O'Donnell. Um, Does Lou Headley get in this thing though? Even a little? Nah, I think that it was that much better. I think that Headley has a good case going forward for this decade if he stays for the more years that he had eligible because he his floor is so high. You know what I mean? Like, he could go forward and, like, improve for the next two years and really, you know, make a strong case to begin this decade of, like, cool, we're going to have to have some really awesome punters or an awesome punter to come and unseat him. So not for last decade, even for the, I mean, for the one year. Because, like, you, to me, to be a one-year guy on the all-decade team, it needs to be um, a Leonard Hankerson mm-hmm. one season. It needs to be a Gregory Russo one season of just absolute excellence. And while Lewis Headley was very good, it wasn't to that level. Yeah, it definitely For wasn't me. to that level. But when you – I do see – and I will say he was – when we did our, our team superlatives, he was actually a, a candidate for my uh, – he was like a dark horse throughout the season for team MVP because, well, he helped the defense out yeah. a, a ton, giving team mm-hmm. making teams drive the whole field. I mean, you don't see guys that are 6'4", 230. I mean, he already looks like he's a very intimidating kind of guy, even though everything you've ever heard about him, he's the nicest guy you've ever met. But just come getting off the bus, he's the guy I want because no one knows what he plays if you don't know him. So – I mean, he looks like. I mean, he's six four, two fifty, because he's not two thirty. Like, I no, I'm sorry, he's not two thirty, and he's pretty much yatted everywhere from mm-hmm. his jawline down. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and if you don't know, like Lewis Headley once owned a tattoo shop on the island of Bali, and I mean, because he's like almost thirty, so. Yeah, he did that, and among other things. So, like when he owned the shop, he started getting tattoos, and like he's tatted in lots and lots of places Mm -hmm. that are like even if you try to cover up oh i got a half sleeve but i wear you know t-shirts he has full sleeves on both arms his neck like his whole torso and everything like you can see it um so yeah man you know uh he is an intimidating physical presence but uh, i think i need to see more from him on the field to put him in that conversation definitely definitely i want to see a little bit more as well now returner return man uh this one can get interesting I'll, I'll let you go it. with this one first. I'll let you go first on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go one. I I gotta split it for kick return corn elder just for the uh, the return at Duke. Um, yeah, in 2015, that play by itself, mm-hmm. it it is so iconic. That was up there, top three, two plays of the decade. Um, that puts him there. Uh, 
in punt return, it's Braxton Berrios. And I know a lot of people are like, yo, man, you know, he, he fair caught the ball too much. The number one job of the punt returner is to secure the ball. Exactly. But on top of that, Berrios was more explosive when he returned it in the times that he deemed able to return than people realize. You know, think, oh, you know, this whole <clears throat> deceptive speed kind of, you know, thing. Oh, he's, you know, whatever. He's a gamer. He's a gym rat. You know, you know, all of those buzzwords. When he went up, I mean, he got up the field. He got up the field. And, I mean, there was one against Florida State that he got tripped by a shoelace. You know, there's another, you know, couple that he took back for touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, go back and really look at the, the totality of the work that he did at punt return. Has to be Braxton Barrios for me. Where does one Travis Benjamin fall for you in this? He would probably be next man up. He'd be next man up at both spots for me. I mean, and arguably you could make the case that he's the best overall, but I split it into two, but yeah, no, he's up there. And that, and the reason I asked that, because for me, I got to go Travis Benjamin. As good as, as good as corn older had his moment, Travis Benjamin was a I mean that's where he he made his money early uh in his career. I mean he I biggest moments I remember one the sideline catch that he made against Florida State in 2009 from Jacory Harris. I've only seen one From two, who? Who threw that? Wait, wait, who threw that? Yeah, Jacory Harris. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just yeah. want to make that sure. That was I when that. I liked that was when I liked good old Jacory Harris when he Well, that was a dime. I don't care yeah, if you like him or not. <laughs> you, Come on. There are about three quarterbacks named Brady Rogers Mahomes that can really make that throw. And one Jaron Williams. But uh, you know, those are the guys that make those throws. I mean, that was a I mean, there's nowhere else you could have made that catch. But um but as I call him T3 because, well, he was T80 at the time. But T3 yeah. was just – he was the guy. I mean, he he was your Jeff Thomas before your, you had a Jeff Thomas. He was your Philip Dorsett before that. And he was just he was just straight up fast. I mean, now he's not – I mean, he's in the NFL. He's been in the league, what, almost 10 years now almost? And, I mean, mm-hmm. he's still chugging along. But, I mean, he, he made plays uh, after play. I always said he was always way too skinny. But, I mean, he – he made plays as far as a kick returner, punt returner, and uh, maybe if Miami would have did some other things and been a little bit more creative, we might have got some more points out of him. But, yeah, that's my that's my kick returner, uh, whether it's punt return or kick return. Then that's fair. I mean, yeah, if I had to have one all-purpose guy, I would go with Travis Benjamin as well. But since I split it, you know, mm-hmm. I went with mm-hmm. uh, who I split it with. Ooh, that reminds me. I had to tell you a story after we Ooh, started. I like story time. I love story time. Yes. Okay. I know I know people are like, dang, tell this is a story this, I cannot tell on the air. Yeah. And Fred is gonna know why after <laughs> I tell him the story. Uh oh. All right. Yeah. So so that is our all decade team, folks. Let us know what you think. Uh let, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think of your what is your all decade team. If you have any qualms with us, let us know. You can reach us on the show uh at Locked on Canes, at Underwood Sports, or at Fred Produce CFB. That is P-E-R-D-U-E. Let us know what you think. Uh we will be back in the week. Uh, possibly maybe like a Thursday or a Friday. We'll see. We'll 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 keep you updated. Yeah. We'll keep you updated. Yeah, something. But you know, the other thing that will keep you updated is your favorite podcast app when you like and subscribe. So iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, anywhere else that you get your podcast, like, subscribe, give us five stars. And you don't even need the notifications because when you go to auto update or open your app, the, the episode will download and Fred and I will be in your ear holes right then, talking Canes football later this week. 
Definitely will. Um, make sure if you haven't caught caught up on on the last few episodes, we uh, we talked Rhett Lashley's offense with Coach Ron Mackey from Crestwood High. That was, really that was man, a that was great such a good man. I had to go back and listen to that myself because you know you get you get caught up asking these questions and you don't really get to to you, you're waiting for that follow up. So you, man, look. I love talking X and X's and O's. So, and we actually, me and, me and Coach Mackey had a chance to kind of chat off air, man. Those, man, look. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to get with those guys, go learn some football, man. Learn some, learn some ball. By the way, speaking of learning of some ball, we just lost college football. Just lost a good one. Joe Brady is now in the NFL. He is with the Carolina Panthers. He is their new offensive coordinator. Uh, we could have had him too, but hey, just. Uh. Nah, the price of the brick. Yeah, yeah. Season. Hey, man, somebody got to come up with some bread. I mean, drop some bread. Cam, I know you got it, man. It's super secret day job. Ooh, I ain't got it, bro. Let me hold some. Nah. You sleep. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I mean I'm on the teacher's salary, so I, I mean, it's a little bit different. You the one with the house and everything hey, over there, hey, bro. Big money, big hey, money. Go hey, ahead, man. man. It's, Look, I wasn't on vacation recently. Hey, you was on vacation hey, recently. That's all I know. Hey, I try. I try. I do right. what I got, man. But um, Okay. Y'all let us know what you – hit us up on Twitter, man, and let us know your thoughts on your all-decade team. Go check out some of the older episodes on uh, on your favorite podcast app, and we'll be back with you later in the week. It is all about the you. Go Kane.